Welcome to Trending in Education. This is Mike Palmer hosting today. And uh, today we have uh, the pleasure of having Rohit Bhargava here, uh, who is the founder of the Non-Obvious Company uh, and a Wall Street Journal uh, bestseller, uh, which is your Non-Obvious Trends. Welcome, uh, Rohit. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, It's really great to have you here. Uh, And I know you're also an adjunct professor at Georgetown, and you have many uh, voluminous uh, credits uh, to your uh, to your repertoire. So uh, thanks again uh, for taking a little time uh, to talk with us here. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, your what what is the non obvious company and uh, how you would characterize the work that you do there? Yeah, the non obvious company was basically my inspiration to try and get corporations and organizations to think about the world in different ways. And so everybody's trying to get ready for disruption and not be disrupted in the process. Right. And, uh, and so one of the things that we do is we produce an annual trend report mm-hmm. um, and that comes out in a book form. Right. And I sometimes joke that that's one of the dumbest things that any author can do, which is rewrite uh, 35% of the same book every year. Right. And basically take the old trends out and put the new trends in. Right. But what it allows me to do and what it allows my team to do is really focus on what's going to happen in the next year. And so every December it comes out with 15 brand new trends. The 2018 edition will be out this coming December. Yep. And uh, it just always is changing. Yeah. And, and I think uh, that reflects the business world too. So that's the intent of it. Yeah. And I mean, to a certain extent, it's great because every year there's new content. It's I was thinking of it as kind of like a nice uh, stocking stuffer for uh, for those of us who are interested in upcoming trends and folks who are trying to prognosticate, right? So Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's really kind of become that for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also become this moment in time where I know a lot of people, like a lot of the readers who have actually gotten in touch with me, mm-hmm. they say, well, I look for that new trend report, but it's also interesting to them to see how the previously predicted trends have evolved. Yes. Because one of the big things that we do every year is uh, we don't pretend like we're always right. Right. And so we actually go back and we look at the previously predicted trends and we grade them. Right. Uh, based on whether they came true, whether they panned out, whether they didn't accelerate as much as we thought. Yep. And it's not just based on what I think. It's based on uh, throughout the year I'm doing keynotes and workshops. And that's, you know, we, we met at one of those. Sure, sure. And the whole intent of that is also to present them with audiences and get people's feedback and see yep. what resonates and what doesn't and, mm-hmm. and why. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of research that goes into publishing it, but then there's even more in-depth conversations that happen after they're published to yep. see how they're panning out. Right, right, right. Because because uh, it's easy for it's easy to be a futurist if you don't check your work, right? So like everyone yeah. can say, you know, at some point we'll have self-driving cars, and at some point, you know, we'll have a hyperloop. And again, Elon Musk, future friend of the show. So we do have an honorary right. this, this got, seat over that's here. Seat that, over that's there. Elon's okay, seat. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's funny you ask uh, many futurists if their predictions come true. Mm-hmm. And usually they'll say either yes or not yet. Yes. They'll never actually <laughs> yes. kind of admit they got anything wrong. Right, right. It almost reminds me of the SMART goal. You know, like you want to have it be time boxed. You know, you want to actually understand yeah. by which point in time. Because if you're talking about a trend that's going to take four or five years to develop, 
that may not necessarily be where at least the non-obvious company and you would typically land. It's also I don't think where yeah, we it's... necessarily would want to be. Well, I think the other thing that that I'm very focused on because my background was was from the marketing agency world and the branding and consulting world, and so everything that I was ever asked to do had to result in something. Right, we had to do something. Yep. And so one of the main reason why we kind of do it on this annual basis is not so much to get things right or not get things right. I mean, we do get things right mm -hmm. more frequently year after year because we're measuring it. Right. But the real reason is because I want these to be actionable. Yes. And if I predict something in this report and then we go off and we talk to organizations about using it, it's very actionable because it's happening right now. Right. And I think that was a nice uh, aperitif, a uh, nice little appetite. Uh, we're, we're, we're wetting the appetite to, for our listeners to actually get into some of the trends. Because uh, yes. uh, And uh, I think as we do that, I'd, I'd love to talk about a couple of trends just because I think your approach is interesting. Uh, and even, uh, you know, the language you use to name your trends is also interesting. So um, I'd love to get into a few of the trends and then maybe as we talk about a couple of the ones that maybe resonate with us or we think might resonate in learning and education, you can talk both about the trend but maybe a little bit about your process. Because I did find uh, sort of your method of understanding what trends are out there to be almost as interesting as the trends themselves. Yeah. In fact, that's uh, more than half of book. Uh -huh. uh, so part of the philosophy here is, yes, I do a lot of research and my team spends a lot of time gathering the input for these trends. Mm -hmm. But the technique is something anybody can use. And yep. So you don't need to be a futurist in order to see around the corner. Right. And I really spend a lot of time. This is where it really intersects with learning, right? Yep. Because I spend a lot of time thinking about how can I teach these techniques mm -hmm. to allow people to think about the world and the future in a little bit of a different way. Yep. And that ties also to, uh, you know, your background in marketing and storytelling and uh, some of these other components mm -hmm. that are certainly resonating uh, within organizations like Kaplan's and others. You know, our, our show last week, in fact, was on workforce readiness, where we were trying to understand how uh, learning and education relates to workforce readiness. And, and that's a recent trend that, that we've, we've seen a bunch. Um, so... Specifically on your trend, so like the 15 non-obvious uh, for 17, um, and we can maybe towards the end talk about how you're performing, which ones which ones seem to be more on trend perhaps than others. I'd be curious about that. Sure. Uh, but um, just to start, I mean, I'll give you a softball because the one that I think, uh, you know, Wonder Woman is a blockbuster. Uh, the first trend that I see on your report is fierce, fierce femininity. And uh, you kind of had me at fierce femininity. I think that's a nice... Nice turn of phrase. I'm seeing it everywhere. Uh, can you talk to me a little bit about how you landed on that? I know you had an, the I thought the, the the Iron Man example that you you talked about. There's there's some yeah, interesting there's stuff some, to talk about there. There's there's lots of stories, and you know the the way that a lot of these trends come to fruition is an intersection of stories. Mm -hmm. So uh, there'll never be a trend where I find kind of one story or or one example from one industry and say that's a trend. Right. We always look for things in multiple industries, multiple stories, stories from around the world, and we're trying to put the pieces together. And so fierce femininity was a really interesting one because, first of all, those are two words you don't usually see together. Sure. Um, Except fierce. for Beyonce uh, was Sasha Fierce. 
Yeah, but, I mean, but, that but is, beyond that, yeah, but yeah. that's an example, right? Yeah. Like that is becoming something we do see now, for sure. Whereas in the past we didn't, right? So there's no princesses and towers waiting to be rescued anymore. Mm-hmm. They're the ones with the lightsaber kicking butt, right? Um, and saving the guy in the process. Yes, and yes. that's what we see in right. the media. But it's not only media in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, I mean, you look at. Uh, um, brawny paper towels yep, uh, and the whole brawny man, which was their kind of signature character right. for so many years. And their latest campaign makes it a brawny woman. Right. Um, you look at how a kind of gender has been differently associated and you have all of these brands saying, well, why should we have a gender associated with toys, with clothes, mm-hmm. with various things that used to be kind of divided, literally divided on the rack sure. in the store yep. by gender. And right, now right. they're not anymore. Right. And so there's all of these examples of that pointing to this idea that we're reevaluating the way we perceive women's role in media and culture and business and everything. Yeah. And so that's really what this trend started to think about and write about. Yeah. No, I, I thought it was fascinating. The The example that I've uh, borrowed from you uh, is the Wonder Woman as a – sorry, not Wonder Woman, Iron Man. Yeah, the is, new Iron Man character yeah. is uh, written to be a 15-year-old African-American girl right. named Riri Williams. Right, She's right. going to take on the Iron Man suit in the comic books. Right, right. Um, and that's and that's probably ahead of where Marvel will go. But like that's almost where you want to you want to be. I always love the the Wayne the Wayne Gretzky quote. You know, you want to skate to where the puck is going. Like in many ways you're sort of anticipating the direction and I would imagine downstream Marvel and superhero films are a huge thing. Uh, more and more we're going to see fierce femininity manifested there. I do think, uh, again, I'm not sure how you grade yourself and whether you've had midterms just yet, but uh, but the fact that the the overwhelming blockbuster this summer is Wonder Woman, that kind of bodes well for fierce femininity as being a trend that's going to yeah. score well this year, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. There's been more and more examples of it. Yeah. Um, but I think what I'm what I'm tracking, which is really interesting, which will probably kind of sneak peek here, mm-hmm. uh, show up in the 2018 report. S- spoiler is, alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. Um, is what does that do to how we educate and teach boys? Sure. Right. Because there's all of this focus on getting girls into STEM. And, right. And focus on more girl graduates from uh, university programs than than uh, boys right uh, in the US at least sure sure and there's a really there's a very real conversation going on about boys getting left behind right and so that's kind of the flip side of this yeah that's really interesting and then that how... may then show up so that's kind of how trends sometimes evolve like you see this one thing and there's so many examples and it totally takes off but then this other Yes. Side of it kind of comes back and you're like, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. And that's where we were talking uh, prior to the show. You know, it's almost Newtonian where there's like a force, which is like one sort of trend that is sort of pushing us in one direction. Yeah. Sometimes that is obvious. So sometimes the main trend is sort of what everybody's talking about. It's sort of top of mind. It's, It's obvious. But then frequently these sort of related, whether it's a counter trend or like a spinoff of some kind, just something slightly different than what may be picked up in like mass media or is even what we might say is trending on Twitter or something like that. I think you're going the way you understand trending, I think, is a little bit deeper. Is that? Yeah, it's um, the way I like to describe it is people are very tempted when the new report comes out 
to say, well, I just want to focus on the new trends. I don't want the old trends because right. those are obviously irrelevant now. Mm-hmm. But that's actually not the way that trends work out. I mean, if they're well predicted, mm-hmm. they gain acceleration over time. Right. And what ends up happening is when I first publish them, the whole idea is that these should be quote unquote non-obvious ideas. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's the title of the book. Sure. But over time, as more examples of those come out and more people start talking about it, they become obvious instead of non-obvious. Mm-hmm. But they don't go away. Right. And so that's the interesting thing about these trends that I can go backwards and look at trends that I did in 2015 or 2013 or mm-hmm. 2011 because we've been doing this for seven years now. That's great. Yeah. Um, and you'll look at one of those trends and you'll be like, everybody knows that. Right. Right. Because at the time when I first wrote about it, it right. was non-obvious. But now it's like, you know, the shared economy. Yeah. Well, exactly. Everybody knows that. Right. Everybody takes a Lyft or an Uber everywhere. Right, right. right. But you were talking about that back. But that was back in 2012. Nice. Right? Yeah. That was was the time frame. So that's what ends up happening with many of these. So it's very interesting. Yeah, it's very cool. And actually, you you then have a body of work that you can refer back to. You can say, you know, like we were ahead of these things. And that sort of reinforces the value you're providing. And then also um, what I love, because like we do talk about language a lot on this show, is like you're very thoughtful about how you name the trend. The other one, um, just to start, that I thought maybe we could talk about is uh, Desperate Detox, which uh, I think captures a lot. And then it's also, you know, Fierce Femininity, Desperate uh, Detox. You're starting to get a sense, and we'll share out your information uh, through Twitter and through, uh, through other channels just so that folks can learn more about the non-obvious company and about your background. Uh, But can you talk a little bit about uh, Desperate Detox and maybe how you land on names for trends? Yeah. And I should say, I mean, not every trend has alliteration. Sure. We'll we'll get to others. Yeah. 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 Um, But yeah, I mean, I uh, am one of these people who uh, I've spent my career in marketing, but uh, I was an English major. I used Mm -hmm. to write plays and screenplays and poetry. And I think some of that comes through in my writing and and in the way that I think about words and the Mm -hmm. way we use words. Because Mm -hmm. you combine the idea of of poetry, which is very intentional in terms of the words you use, Mm -hmm. and something like copywriting from advertising, where you're writing like billboards or ads, Mm -hmm. which is also very intentional in terms of the words that are chosen. Yep. And I think that's important when it comes to describing ideas in particular. Mm -hmm. And so the trends, when you think about the way that they're named, are sort of brands for them. I mean, I remember joking to my wife when we had our our, uh, two boys that uh, we should talk about branding. And she said, it's not branding, it's naming. (laughs) But it's basically the same thing, right? I mean, you're coming up with a name. Sure. And that name is going to stick around for a while. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And uh, and so it has to be a good one. For sure. So how about uh, just jumping in on a couple of these uh, among the 17 trends? Uh, I found Desperate Detox and Slow TV to be like uh, some interesting yeah. – with that Slow TV as an example of Desperate Detox. But can you talk a little bit about Desperate yeah. Detox? So Desperate Detox is a really interesting one because uh, now what I've started doing is bringing back trends that were previously predicted. Mm. And so – Instead of doing 15 brand new trends every year, Mm -hmm. uh, we have 10 new trends and five that are sort of brought back, resurrected, Ah, remixed. Got it. Sure. And Desperate Detox was one of the remixed trends. Interesting. So it was first predicted in 2013. Mm -hmm. And in 2013... Uh, all of the research was pointing to this idea that people just wanted to get away from technology. Sure. Like it was all about detoxing from technology, leave your computer at home, leave your phone, mm-hmm. get away from tech. 
Now, in 2017, desperate detox is much less about don't use technology and it's much more about simplifying, yes. decluttering, you know, the whole Marie Kondo, like, um, you know, organize your world, organize your life, yes. um, slow TV, which is technology. Sure. But the idea is there's, uh, for people who aren't familiar with it, it's an eight-hour episode of a log burning in a fireplace. <laughs> right. And you can just sit there and watch a log burning. Right. So the idea is you're no longer getting away from technology. You're trying to simplify your life, and sometimes technology enables that. Sure. So now you start to see how like a trend that was one thing has now evolved over the course of four years into something a little bit different. Yeah, and that's really interesting that you're you're sort of both time boxing within the year, but also treating this as longitudinal. You know, so like yeah. you're able to look back two, three years ago. What do we get right? What do we get wrong? And then the idea of like uh, the remix, which is also, uh, you know, kind of on trend as well, where like things are reframed, things are repackaged. That's very much the way I would understand living in 2017. So it is interesting that you're incorporating that into your uh, your trend curation. Yeah, and it's uh, and the rules around that, if if you can call them rules, uh, are that we won't remix a trend from the immediate previous year. Got it. So in the new 2018 report, there'll be five remix trends, but none of them will be 2017 trends. Got it. Because those are just too recent. Right. So you know those are all still relevant. Absolutely. Um, because it's just really really short time frame. Makes sense. Um, couple other ones uh, I'll throw out there, and again, folks, if. Uh, Where's the best place for people to learn more? Do they go to the non-obvious uh, website or they look yeah, up your name? Uh, or? They can they can do either. They can Google my name. I think I'm still number one for that. Nice. Yeah, I found you pretty <laughs> um, quickly. Yeah. And uh, uh, they can also look at uh, nonobviouscompany.com. Okay. Uh, nonobviousbook.com is for the book. Yeah. Uh, but everything kind of connects to everything else. So yeah. No matter what path you take, you'll kind of end up with. All yeah. paths lead to Rohit. Yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> it, it wouldn't be optimized otherwise. <laughs> exactly. Um, and honestly, of all fifth, like all of the 15, I think, are worth a deeper dive. So uh, we're not going to have enough time to get to all of them. I thought we could probably touch on a few more. Um, I liked uh, sort of the notion of lovable unperfection, uh, which is something we talk about a lot as it relates to a lot of what we do is live, uh, live streamed frequently. Uh, and yeah. you're getting access to an authentically genuine teacher who's motivated for your own growth. And that's something we've had tremendous success with. And interestingly, live is by its nature a little bit unperfect. You might even argue this podcast format, uh, heaven forfend, is a little bit unperfect. Like there are aspects of yeah. this that are a little <laughs> rough around the edges. We didn't spend hours and hours of prep. But this is a format that people are seeking and we're finding for learning context, people are really hungry for this. Um, I mean, thoughts? It, it, yeah. yeah, it does speak to the idea of authenticity, right? mm -hmm. which is an overused word now. Yep. But the essence of it means that it's something that's believable, right? When we say something's authentic, we mean that we believe it. Mm -hmm. It's not unbelievable. It's not uh, missing credibility. Yep. And I think that there is a lot of research, but also just a lot of anecdotes that point to this idea that we are more likely to give our trust to people and situations that are not afraid to be flawed. Mm -hmm. And the ultimate example of that, which I love, is the end of every Jackie Chan movie. 
Yes. Where you watch him doing the outtakes and yes. he falls over and he smashes his elbow and he's on a you know jet ski in the middle of the snowstorm in a t-shirt. Oh my god! He's freezing and then you see like the scene <laughs> cut and then he runs over to grab the coat because yeah. he's so cold. Right. Um, and he's soaked. Right. Right. Uh, right. And when you see all of those things, you realize just how much effort and dedication it takes to do what he does. Yes. Right? He's not using stunt, stunt guys. He's right. doing everything himself. Yep. And so you respect what he does that much more and you believe in him mm. as a character and you become more of a fan yeah. as a result of that. Right, right. And then I think if you take that same thing and then you flip it to business, mm-hmm. we're afraid to show people our work. Right. We're afraid to let them behind the scenes and see us suffering in the T-shirt in the cold. Right. We want them to just get the perfect finished thing because we don't want to get a complaint. We don't want to get a bad, bad Yelp right. review. We don't want to you know, show ourselves to be less than perfect because we're afraid we won't advance in our careers or whatever it is. Right. And I think we need to change that mentality ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need to show a little bit of our unperfection. Yeah. It's it's almost like there's strength in being open about your vulnerability. You know, it's, it's, it's sort of paradoxical, but, you know, those who present as sort of invulnerable and strong frequently are masking things that the more uh, sort of strong personality is actually able to to be authentic and honest about, and that builds trust and empathy uh, from folks on the other side. Yeah, and that's the, that's the number one thing, right? I mean, we all want to be more believable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we learned in school that we had to show our work, but then we forget about that yeah, exactly. at some point. Right. right. I mean, somebody at some point when you were in school said, show your work. Right. Because otherwise, I don't know what you did, and I don't know whether you were thinking about something in the right way or not. Right, right. And now it's like we just forgot some of those lessons. Yeah. So sometimes these trends bring back an idea that you probably already know in your subconscious, but maybe you just forgot or aren't applying to your work, Mm -hmm. even though you kind of know it. Yeah. I'm really struck by how much you take like a a learning and education orientation towards the – the work that you do, like it does. I mean, I, it makes sense in that you're you're helping organizations understand how to sort of benefit from this type of thinking, this type of um, uh, you know content strategy and way of telling stories. Um, and uh, you know, you you almost have like a mission, it seems, to to really try to evangelize and get other people to to think this way, which which is which is really great. Yeah, I mean, if I could quantify that or, or at least describe it in some way, I would say that uh, we're living in a world where we are being led towards a reinforcing of what we already think and what we already know. Mm-hmm. And the algorithms are all doing it. Facebook gives us just the stories that we agree with from people who think like us. Mm-hmm. And there's a real danger in that because yeah. we don't get outside of ourselves at all. And so we think that anyone who doesn't think like us is an idiot. Right. We don't understand how anyone could possibly vote for somebody who we didn't vote for. Right. And there's less understanding in the world. And so I think that that at its heart, a lot of what I try and teach with this non-obvious methodology is get outside of that. You know, buy magazines that aren't targeted towards you. Like yep. I, I'll go and buy 17 magazine, which is a right. magazine for teenage girls. <laughs> right. Right. 
just because I want to see you something might, from you, some other audience. You might right? get an odd look on the airplane. I get uh, odd but, looks, right? But, but, but I'm you okay own it. With it it's, right? it's, it's, it's yeah. your perfect I mean, imperfection. Yeah. Hey, I, I buy modern farmer magazine, right? I buy like <laughs> sailing and yachting. I don't, you know, yeah. really have any use for any of those sure. things. Yeah. But when I do that, yeah. I put myself into someone else's way of thinking. Mm, yeah. And the algorithms aren't going to do that for us. Right. Uh, in fact, they're doing the opposite. Right. And so we have to, as people and as intellectuals, be uh, specific about choosing to do that. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't, then we'll never get outside of that. And the fact is, if you're trying to be innovative, you can't be innovative by reading the same thing everybody else reads. Yeah, no. You have to get outside of it. No, I, lo- I, lo- I love uh, I love the direction because it's all- one thing we talk a lot about is automation and artificial intelligence and the role of humans interacting with that. And what I like about what I'm hearing from you is that uh, to a certain extent, you're, uh, you're challenging humans to sort of embrace what is uniquely human as opposed to uh, just sort of accept what is fed to us by the sort of the pl- algorithmic platforms and the, the artificial intelligence, all these types of things that are, that are emerging. We're going to have to live with intelligent agents that are non-human, but w- in, in many ways, I think a, a larger trend we're talking about is what is it to be human and how can we sort of reify that and, and sort of turn it into something that people can actually grab hold of and... And in some ways, inspire, you know, like it does feel like there's a inspirational, aspirational aspect to this. Uh, there is. I mean, there isn't a single person who I've ever talked to in any one of my keynotes or workshops or anything who has said, I want to be less innovative and I want to think like everybody else. Right. Um, everybody wants to think for themselves. Mm-hmm. And in fact, one of the major complaints or threats that people have is that they don't feel like they can do that in their jobs. Mm-hmm. Right? They feel like their work is keeping them yes. from being more innovative, from doing the things that they want to do because there's too many regulations sure. or there's too many levels or too much bureaucracy or whatever it is. Right. And so part of the challenge here is how do you get yourself out of that? Because nobody else is going to do that for you. Right. Your boss isn't going to show up tomorrow and say, oh, by the way, you know how you wanted to be innovative for five years? Well, <laughs> right. now right. you can do it. Yep. Like that's not going to happen. Right. right. So you have to find your own way. And so sometimes it comes from uh, intrapreneurship, right? The idea of being an entrepreneur sure. within an organization. Yep. Sometimes it comes from attending or going to different sorts of situations and different uh, learning from different people. I mean, there are many, many ways to do it, but we have to choose to do it. Yeah. No, I, I the intentionality is 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 spot on I think and and even uh sort of the provocation to humans to to sort of uh embrace what is what is special about us is our ability to kind of be innovative, to be creative. And a lot of these other things are going to likely be automated. So if anything, more and more people are going to need to think in non-obvious ways to continue to provide value. Yeah. Um, one more trend. I know uh, we could talk uh, for hours, and uh, maybe we even will. But uh, but we'll keep our listeners uh, a little bit hungry. But uh, but I thought one other trend uh, that maybe we could talk about briefly is uh, deep diving, uh, where which is uh, you know underneath your media and education trends. And uh, something we've done shows on recently is the concept of binge learning, uh, which has now uh, made it into uh, Urban Dictionary. 
Uh, I don't know how many of your trends have made into, but you've nice. really you've really arrived when 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 you're in Urban Dictionary. But um, but can you talk a little bit about uh, about deep diving and maybe its its uh, its relevance to learning and education? Yeah, I think it's huge. I mean, as you mentioned, the the trends, the fifteen trends, are always in five categories. Mm-hmm. One of those categories is media and education. So mm-hmm. every year, there's trends in that category. Yep. And uh, deep diving was really about this idea that so much of what we were hearing was all about this, oh, did you know humans' attention span is less than a goldfish and we can't focus on anything and we always have to multitask. And yep. Those crazy millennials, you know, right. they can't pay attention to anything. Mm-hmm. And then there's this whole kind of realization on the behalf of media, many media companies that when you allow people to access something on demand in the moment they want it, mm-hmm. they go really deep mm-hmm. because they're really interested. Mm-hmm. And so Wired Magazine, for example, has a section of their site called wired.com slash long reads. Mm. And it's just their long articles. Mm. Because in that moment when you're waiting for the bus or you really got to go to the bathroom or whatever it is <laughs> and you find yourself with enough time, right. you want something long and in-depth to read. Right, you right. don't want like a quick little blurb about what George Clooney is doing. <laughs> right, right? Right, that right. is good for a certain moment. Yeah. But the other moment you want something more significant. Mm-hmm. So there is this idea that when we have the time or when we choose to make the time, right. uh, we want to go deep. Mm-hmm. And if media organizations and if educators and people providing learning can give that opportunity to people on their schedule, mm-hmm. people will take it. Mm-hmm. And that's really the the main idea behind this trend. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I was listening to uh, the A16Z podcast recently uh, where they were talking about how media companies now are designing on-demand content so that it's hard to stop. Yeah. So like it like the natural reaction it, like in, in a world of choice, once you start watching a show, part of the joy of it is if I do nothing, I'm just going to keep watching which is also why the content is designed to be addictive. And you're, we've talked about whether binge learning is actually as good as spaced repetition and other, other ways. Like textbook learning science would say it's better to interleave uh, alternative, alternative topics so that you don't mass practice because that actually doesn't help you remember as well. Right. Um, but still, the, the media consumption trends are out there. And as a learning organization who's trying to push – uh, an educational uh, platform out there, um, you want to think about this, you know, and I imagine that's even the type of stuff you're thinking about at the non-obvious company is like, what's the best way for us to propagate these trends so that our learners can can really uh, process them fully, you know? Yeah. I mean, even to the point of, of delivering them in different ways. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a full book version. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a more visual version that has uh, pictures and everything that we publish online. Mm-hmm. There's now going to be detailed trend descriptions with links and stories. Mm-hmm. And so for any of the previous trends, one of the new things we're launching around the 2018 report is every previous trend, you'll be able to go and read a full description of the trend. Mm-hmm. You'll be able to read every trend also has a action guide so ah. how to use this trend. Oh, wow. So that's always been part of the book. Yep. But we'll have that online as well. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing we'll have is this growing list of stories, mm. which are basically links to stories online mm-hmm. from any publication or any blog or anywhere mm-hmm. that came up in the research. Because every time one of these trends is featured in the book, at the back of the book in the appendix, there's usually about 16 or 18 sources Got it. for each trend. Wow. Yeah. So 
but we never really published that anywhere. It was just in the appendix. Sure. Um, as background, if somebody was particularly cranky and just wanted to check it and make sure that there was some research behind <laughs> sure, it. Sure, sure. Right? Yeah, right. So now we're putting all of that online mm-hmm. and having that be a growing archive. Yeah. So that will enable a level of deep diving on any of the trends from the previous reports as well as the new one that we've just never had before. Yeah, and I imagine, I mean, as someone who's sort of uh, scratched the surface of the non-obvious uh, trends, like it's you could lose a lot of time deep diving in a good way but like this stuff yeah like it like for folks who are just browsing and digging in uh they both resonate at a surface level but there's a lot uh going on underneath uh underneath the surface so um so with that uh rohit thank you very much uh for joining us here today uh we're uh we'd love it if you become a, a friend of the show so maybe someone who could uh, come back me towards the end of the year uh, as we start looking ahead towards 2018 and uh, scoring uh, your trends for 2017. Uh, and um, any any parting thoughts? Any uh, any sort of closing comments from you here as as we begin to wrap up? Um, no, I'd be happy to come back and maybe I'll just keep uh, Elon Musk's chair warm <laughs> for him uh, until he shows up. Yeah, maybe you could take the take the take the hyperloop here. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. All right. Well, that that's going to wrap it up for today's episode of uh, Trending in Education. Thanks again to uh, Rohit Bargava, uh, our guest from the Non-Obvious Company. Uh, we'll we'll share out more information about Rohit. You could also look him up yourself. And uh, keep uh, keep learning and keep being on non-obvious out there, folks. And uh, we'll be back soon.